Roll it. It says you're recording, Miller. Hey, I don't know. It doesn't say anything on my end. Who gives a shit? Here we go. Legitimate <laughs> podcast. Episode number five. Uh, what's the date today? August whatever, 22nd. Episode number five. Again, can't believe that we made it this long. We have myself, Mike Miller again, Double Bit Axe Company. We have Chris Killinger live from his house. It appears that he does have internet and technology out in the middle of Ohio somewhere. And then we also have Roy from Vintage Axe Works. So how are we doing the, this uh, fine morning, fellas? I'm tired. <laughs> You've been sleeping for two days. I, I know. So for all of the uh, Instagram followers out there, I have been MIA because I had oral surgery on Monday. And per doctor's orders, I have done absolutely nothing. Um, and it's kind of frustrating, but it's kind of awesome at the same time. And I say awesome because, you know, none of us ever freaking slow down. So these last three days, I've just been watching TV and poking around. And, oh, I had some good ideas. I'm going to clean up my little office area. No, didn't happen. Just freaking tired, taking pain pills and all that horse shit. So that's what's been going on with me. So uh, absolutely nothing. How's that shop coming, uh, Killer? Well, we got the first uh, set of cabinets moved and installed yesterday, so that's yeah. making progress. Um, I have to. <clears throat> there's no. There's no way around it. I have to be out of that my old shop this weekend because. Um, obviously, I have to be completely out of that house by the end of the month. So, um, I don't want to be—I don't want to be last minute trying to get everything moved and clean. So, we should have the uh, all the shop guts in in the new shop by the end of the weekend, and I can start setting things up. Yeah, so you're just going to make a big push to get all the rest of the the stuff over there, and then. Just yeah. set it up whenever you whenever the big, thing, the big thing is, is if I could get the cabinets in place in in ninety percent installed, that gets mm-hmm. them out of my way and then it gives me a place to stack stuff and Yeah. So that was that was the goal yesterday is to get that big main section moved and it's a lot so, of work. All, all individual cabinets, but I built bases and countertops for them and they kind of all link together into a, a unit. Yeah, it looks like a freaking ton of work. So as far as all the other stuff that you've moved in the house, is that pretty well done and you just have your shop left or you have some big home stuff left or what? It's just little stuff in the in the old house now. You know, not, 95% of what we own is, is over here and then not counting the shop. Mm-hmm. The shop is the big thing still lingering over there. Um, the little stuff in the house my wife can get. She probably prefers to get it because it's... Um, what the hell was that? It was a notification on my phone. It was, she, she probably prefers to get that stuff because it's breakables. And, yeah. Uh, I'm like a freaking gorilla, so... Yeah. Dumpster. Should have gotten a dumpster. Just... Yeah. Whoa. We've taken un- unbelievable amounts of things to Goodwill and um, 
the dump. Like, I don't know how many trips, probably six trailer loads. I'm, I'm thinking the Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I have a five by eight. And God, like, I don't waste a trip. It's... <laughs> so if you're going, you're going big. Yes. Yeah, if, if anybody's, uh, in the need of some, some semi cool stuff, the Goodwill in Orville, Ohio. Can... <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I'm, I'm dropping all this stuff off because I don't have room for it. Do you drop it and run because there's like tons of Playboys? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm helping them carry the heavy stuff into the into the back, and I look over and there's like a one by or two by forty two sander sitting on the ground on the floor. I'm like, who donated that? And really? I'm trying to buy it, and then I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need. It. Get out of here. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> Yeah, it, literally, I I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff I needed has gone right. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. What you doing back there, Miller? Writing up my uh, honeydew list for myself here for today and a few more days out of here. So just trying to get everything straight, just like everybody else is with everything going on. End of summer, which is yeah. uh, right around the corner, which is very disappointing. No, thank seems, God. Seems like summer has absolutely flown by and was basically wet the whole entire time, especially up here. But uh, yeah. we will see what happens, though. We'll get after it and, uh, and get going. So, all right. So I don't really know if we have anything specific to talk about today, as uh, we sort of discussed. Uh, there's a couple things with some quote-unquote correction of errors or okay. maybe some uh, information that was enlightened to me via messages or however else. But uh, So we had the Lincoln Axis or the Lincoln Axe last week, right? Talked yep. about those a little bit. I believe it was Killer had asked, you know, hey, who made those? And I said Man Edge, which Man Edge did make the vast majority of them, but they were also made by Kelly. At, uh, at one point, I was talking about the specific ones that I have with the black, with the gold inlay and stuff like that. Those were made by man. They have a different imprint or logo or etching, whatever you want to call it. Very simplistic, if you guys have ever seen that. Uh, definitely, you know, drilled down from the one that I have on my axis. And that one appears to be to have been made by Kelly. Yeah, I was looking so, at my Lamont catalog last night, and there is a picture of Lincoln in there, and it's just the silhouette of his head and nothing else around it. Right. Very, very simple. So yeah. that's the one that I'm talking about there. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, those were made by man and and uh, celebrated that way. Uh, that was the big one. I'm trying to think what else <clears throat> that we had. You know, a couple of the patterns and the dates and the times and stuff like that. Um, nothing too specific. Uh, but whenever we talk about those patterns and we talked about, you know, the number of patterns decreasing over the amount of time, mm-hmm. one of the things that's in this plum catalog that we will talk about later is um, the decreasing in the amount of patterns, you know, post-1930, post-World War II into the 70s and 80s. There were more patterns out there than six. I might have gotten a little carried away when I was like, listen, there we're down to six patterns after World War II. That yeah, was yeah. more more of a generalization. But there was, sure. you know, about six to ten main patterns. There obviously were other ones that were made out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that to get uh, to be confusing for guys where they're like, listen, there's only Dayton, Michigan, and a couple double bits. 
That's not the case, but the majority of those axes were going to be funneled towards the few main patterns. And uh, I think that was it as far as the questions, um, comments, any kind of corrections, which obviously, you know, I'll do every time. It's not going to be perfect. But uh, other than that, a lot of questions about, hey, have you ever seen this? Can you tell me what it is? Can you tell me how old it is? Keep sending them. I'll try my best, but uh, there's no guarantees, but we'll get after it. I, I get hit up all the freaking time. Hey, I found this. Can you tell me anything about it? And it's just an unmarked axe. And uh, can you? Uh, there's just no way of knowing what the hell it is, when it was made, or I mean, I can say what the pattern is, but like, that's the extent. And I feel bad. You know, some of these guys, they're asking some pretty specific questions or whatever, and they want to know because maybe the piece that they found was on the farm or you know, handed down to them by their dad or grandpa or whatever, and just no information. Um, so it's unfortunate, but that's the reality we live in. And that's the way that it goes the majority of the time. You know, to your point, especially with the ones that I see, it's usually an unmarked jersey, uh, mm-hmm. an unmarked Michigan single bit, something like that, where, hey, what do I have? What's going on? Again, then is it worth anything? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, that, yeah, that's know, the other thing. That just shows, you know, the transition of the axe industry from, you know, the golden age to where we got into the 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, the basic, uh, real manufacturing and the, and the loss of the intricacy with the axes. So I had a real good conversation with a gentleman about the All American line from Plum. And we did narrow that down a little bit. Uh, looking at my catalogs, trying to figure out when that all started. So I'll hold these up. And for you guys that are out there and can't see this, <laughs> what I'm holding up, what I'm holding up is a series of plum catalogs here. So this one here is a 1951 plum original catalog. This one here is a little bit older. This is uh, 1935 Good original grief. plum catalog. And then this one here, you'll notice, looks just like the first one. So it has yeah. the, the uh, same design. This is actually a 1954 catalog, and this is actually a reprint. And this is the one that has the the Plum Tool Story. You guys can see that. Yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. This, this is from a uh, – this story was shared originally at the Plum Sales Meeting in 1974 in Downington, Pennsylvania. And this is from a uh, district manager for Plum named Ernest. And whenever they did this reprint, they put it smack dab in the middle of this catalog, which is Center, a little, centerfold, yeah, baby. Yeah. So basically, so you have these first few pages, and um, then it, you, know, you have this, and then it goes right into the rest of the catalog with all the pictures and everything like that. God, that's so beautiful. It was a little confusing whenever I first got it, but... Uh, it was a reprint here by the Midwest Tool Collectors Association, which if no one is familiar with them or any of these other groups or associations, there's a bunch of them out there. Are you a member? If you're not a member, I am a member. If you're not a member of these groups, you need to be a member. They have, depending on the group, they will have quarterly prints that they will send you, newsletters, uh, mini catalogs. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen these. If uh, Anybody that's into the catalogs, they do a lot of reprints. They'll put them out. You'll see them for sale on eBay, stuff like that. But um, this is basically a reprint from that. Then with 
the tool story in the middle there, which we'll reference maybe on this podcast, maybe on the next, but it talks about like where these axe patterns were from, where they were mostly sold to, uh, the popularity of the patterns, you know, they talk about the jet wing, they talk about the all American, but back to my original point, the all American pattern is not listed in 1951 or the all American, uh, paper label. The All-American is listed in 1954. So we have a little bit of a narrowing of the window there when that All-American line first started. So it appears to be in between 51 and 54. Is that 100% written in stone and never going to change throughout the course of history? No. But it's stuff <laughs> like that that really interests me that says, hey, listen, we got to figure this out. When did this come come about? And that makes sense because you're obviously you're now you know into World War II, 45, late 45, Somewhere in between 51 and 54, you still have the post-war uh, euphoria, and everyone's trying to capitalize on that, and, you know, America's great, and blah, blah, blah. So it makes sense to be in that time range, but that was a very good conversation I had with a gentleman trying to figure that all out. So that was uh, something good that came from the last podcast. Awesome. So if you could, um, could you take a couple of snaps of that catalog and just upload it on the Instagram page? Absolutely. Yeah, they have a lot of good stuff in here. They have the uh, that Liberty. So if you look ah! at this. That's that picture of that one that Roy really likes. Oh, my God. With the Statue of Liberty on there. So that's from 54. You got the uh, the National. That's when that really started to hit. You got the Jet Wing. Everybody God. loves the Jet Wings. And so this appears like this is when Plum was really popular. Post World War II, you know, a little bit of the, the other axe companies were dying off. Collins, um, pretty much dried up. You know, they had the big flood in 55, which for the most part then shut them down. So Man Edge was still there, but they were in the background making everything for everybody else. Uh, True Temper, which one of the other things I need to share is that I have the actual chronological timeline of Kelly and True Temper. I'd, I, I'd love to get into that. Um, we don't uh, want to get into that because it's an absolute nightmare. No, not not like line by line here on the podcast, but in person. It's just it's so freaking vague and it and it's bobbing and weaving all the fucking round. So I mean, Kelly True Temper, it's my favorite company and it, and it's just like there are a couple of milestones that are that that stand out. Um but to learn all of the ins and outs of the acquisitions and and mergers and everything. It would just be really interesting and cool. And Chris is over there rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, this is a snooze fest. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like, I'll just give you a couple of the, the main points of it. And the very first point, I don't think a lot of people know. So we talk a lot about the name True Temper, right? And, and everyone when, thinks well, – go ahead. I know so, where you're going with this. Well, Roy's going to say, so when everybody – Here's true temper. When they see true temper, they automatically think 1949. Right. It's usually what the majority of guys think. 1906, American Fork and Hoe Company begins using the true temper trademark for farm and garden hand tools consisting of forks, hoes, rakes, and potato hooks, according to the trademark registration dated 1907. So true temper as a name actually originated in 1906. You don't really see it acts affiliated until late 20s 
early 30s, then when we have the whole acquisition, American Fork and Hoe acquires Kelly in 1930, that's when that whole true temper thing then takes off. But in reality, it was actually around since 1906, and I don't so, think the majority of guys realize that. Right. So you could have an American Fork and Hoe piece that stamped true temper, and you would think that it was later on in history, but in fact, it could be really, really early. It could be. Now, that piece isn't probably not going to be an axe. It's going to be right. more of the, the regular outdoor farm and garden, you know, rakes, hoes, all that stuff. So if you found something like that, if you're out and about flea market and you found, oh, this is American Fork and Hoe and it says True Temper, you automatically think, oh, this is post-49. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily, which to me is fascinating because now you have a whole other can of worms that has just been opened. Right. And, I can't wait for the influx of questions. You just come rolling in and be like, so can you date this? No. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah, really. But it talks about that. It talks about um, 1967, Allegheny Ludlum Steel Company acquires True Temper. 1967, Mexican company, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Hiramatas Nacionales begins a <sighs> begins a strategic alliance with the American company True Temper and acquires technology, machinery, and designs. 1970, the entire product line of the Mexican company is consolidated under the True Temper brand. So, I mean, it is an absolute mess. It is. Where, you know, where did you find this stuff? What, it's what, online. Online? Mm-hmm. Who compiled all this info? Chris Killinger? Chris, yeah. <laughs> Killinger did it. But that's uh, that's two points out of about, I don't know, 40? Golly. And then, you know, you, you get all the way up to the recent days here where, if you guys remember, True Temper then was making the True American axes. Remember them? They were in Lowe's and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I don't think that they make those anymore. Or if they do, that's all post-old stock. According to what I found is that they, they got rid of that line because they didn't sell anything. So that was like two years ago. They, they only made those for like two, two and a half, maybe three years. But, I remember going to my my local hardware store and seeing some of those, and I saw a jersey pattern, and I picked it up, and I was like, this is total shit. I mean, it's cool that um, you can see something being sold today, but it was shit, so maybe not okay. that cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. Yes, the axe physically, the ones that I saw, which I believe were in Lowe's, we're total crap from a manufacturing, you know, what we're used to if you're looking at 1930s, 1920s axes. Right, 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 right. Total, total junk to, uh, to what we're used to. But if that name was only actually out there for two years, I just wonder what that's going to look like 30, 40 years from now if you have some other axle like me that's collecting all this stuff saying, oh, this was run for two years. Did you just say axle? Axle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> no, but but so that little blip that we're talking about right now it draws so many parallels to all the little incremental blips from 50 years ago that at the time were pretty insignificant, right? So you got this time frame between 51 and 54 you're talking about with Plum. Yeah. So in the midst of it, the consumers, they don't know, they don't care. But, you know, 50 years later, 40 years later or whatever, now it's interesting. So maybe, to your point, 
this little thing with these true temper axes out 50 years from now might be interesting to someone else. And, and us guys, we're just like, yeah, this is total crap. Forget this. Who knows? Who, who like, seriously, who knows? Yeah, so all those guys out there on eBay <clears throat> selling those new All-American axes right now can thank me once the spike in sales goes up here later on this week and next week. eBay's dead. eBay is dead. <laughs> oh, speaking of fucking eBay, I Bam. was on the... <laughs> I was on there the other day because I oh, do get I on there. On what? I never go on eBay. I go on there about once a week, and I do a couple of searches for a couple of key things, and I'm scrolling through. And what do I see? I bet you, I bet you two guys have seen this. There's some fucking woman out there showing an axe right in front of her tits. Oh yeah, it's, all... <laughs> it's so, it's so trashy. What yeah. a fucking moron. Yeah. I bought it. That's, that's a dude, like, I'll sell my axes by showing my wife with tits in the background. It's Yeah. It's I, had to file a, uh, I had to file a claim with eBay because I thought the boobs came with it. <laughs> Pendulous <laughs> fat sacks. Ugh. No, I did Gross. see that. that uh, I got a good chuckle out of that. I've seen that a couple times before. But not uh, with axes. I think that's the first time I've seen it with axes. Yeah. That's just like the bottom of the barrel desperation. Hey, total clickbait. Look at this. You're just looking at some chick's boobs and it's some shitty, shitty axe for like 15 bucks or something. It's so stupid. So if you're out there listening, you're a fucking moron for doing that and putting your wife up to it. You just crushed somebody's dream. They're fans. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Total takedown. It must be that medication that he's on for his oral surgery there. has got him all fired up. I just want to throw this disclaimer out. Roy does not represent the views of all three of us. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that's great. I thought my views were the only views that mattered. I was just going to get there. It beat me to the punch. <laughs> yeah, you definitely think that. I, we understand. Well, that's fair, right? Yeah, I sure. mean, come on. All right, so getting off of eBay and back onto uh, real-world topics here. Any question about the Northwest American Tool Association? Um, so I, I was a member of it, and I don't recall. Can you order back catalogs? Is it is that a thing? Because the whole time I was a member, they they might have sent me like one or two random catalogs that just showed up. Which like, which group are we talking about again? What? Northwest American Tool Association. I don't know. I'll check into it to see if you can. Uh, I I forget which group it is. I think it's this the Midwest Tool Collectors. So there's another one like Early I'll, American. Maybe it's, maybe it's Midwest. It, it, yeah. It's whatever you said it was that you got that pin catalog from. Did that. Let's go. Yeah, that's it. The Midwest. I think that you can. Um, I know I have, and Roy will be like, well, of course you do. I have boxes of those, so if you're looking for a particular one. What I will tell you is that not many of them have axe-related stuff in it. It's more old woodworking tools, stuff right. that I'm not really <clears throat> tremendously interested in. But the level of the, – the thing that's really interesting to me whenever I'm looking at them is that – so we talk about, you know, if we're talking about us guys or the other guys that we know that are – 
the axe heads and you know what we know and what we collect and the amount of uh, specifics. Those guys all do that with any other woodworking tool from the past that you could think of. All yeah. the different, you know, the, yep. the planers and stuff like that. You got guys out there, man, they know every single little intricate detail, which to me is oh, fascinating. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. And that's what's in the majority of those catalogs. I mean, they're good yeah. reads and stuff like that. It's just, you know, you got to sort of pick and choose your battles. But um, if you're looking for something, Chris, let me know. I'll see if I can take it out. Kind of off topic, but uh, a little tangential. I was on, I fucking hate Facebook, but I was on, I, I always check Marketplace first thing in the morning. My name's Rory Scott of Vintage Axe Works, and I hate everything. everything. <laughs> I hate your face right now. I seriously yeah, hate your face. I hate Chris kills your face even. <laughs> uh, but I saw this fucking nice planer. It's a 13-inch Craftsman planer, completely restored, brand new, two-horse Baldor on there for 350 bucks. A motor's worth more than that. That's exactly what the guy said in the ad. Um, turn your phone off. Come on, killer. That wasn't me. It's not me. It wasn't, not me. Nobody, nobody ever messages me. So. Yeah, the only guys that would message you are right here. Right. <laughs> if I turned my phone off, I would no longer be in this call. Well, sometimes you got to take one for the team, killer. Yeah, you're used to that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hotel room. Hello, hello. Oh. <laughs> Biller and I have a special bond you'll never be a part of. So take that. Um, what the wow. hell was that? It's Tiff. She's she's oh, telling jealous. She's, she's uh here. Get her in there. Let me see her. <laughs> <laughs> she's she said no. Oh, she doesn't want to be part of this gloriness. No, Don't she, be afraid. You said what? She didn't hear you. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. So, moving on. Um, what are you saying? It, nothing. I'm not saying it. I, I found a planer on freaking Marketplace. That's where this was going. <clears throat> so you but it's it? just, uh, I just saw it this morning. Kind of the timing of everything is off. I don't really want to spend 350 bucks if I had... If I had 350 extra dollars, I'd probably buy a dust collector, but it's one of those deals that, man, you just got to fucking jump on because it's, like, seriously, top-notch restoration job on this freaking thing. The motor is amazing. And I'm doing some, you know, this epoxy stuff, and a planer would come in handy, very fucking handy. And speaking of epoxy stuff, you know how much shit I got off of it got for that freaking jersey that I <laughs> Encased in resin. I'm sure. Why would you do that to that freaking axe? You're a monster. Yeah. And and they failed to realize that that axe was junk. It had been the pole had been completely split down the back, rewelded together, and tried to be right. freaking ground to to hide it. And they did a good job of hiding it because I I didn't see it until. I took it off the handle because there was so much ninja shelf bullshit freaking shoulder punched up against the back of the pole that I couldn't see that junky weld. So let's, let's dive into that just a little bit. <clears throat> okay. The, the whole modding of axes. <clears throat> yeah. This disturbed me a lot last night. Um, so I was talking to James Nish. He sends me a picture of an axe he just bought. And it's a... Uh, 
I think it was a Kelly Works, like the what's the the round logo? Quality. Yeah. Like, like you know, just I think or, it just says Kelly in the middle of the round logo and then something on top and bottom. Well, there's right? also a round one that says uh, World, uh, World's Finest. World's Finest, yeah. All right. Well, it was one of those. Okay. And it's a Connecticut. All right. And it's it's a beautiful axe. Mm-hmm. So he's showing me with the original handle. He's showing me pictures of it. And in the one picture on the backside, you can see where the guy drew an outline of his idea of a mod, that he was going to cut it out and mod this axe. Really? People, if you're just getting into this, <laughs> because yeah. obviously anybody that's been doing this for a while would never mod an axe like that. If you're just getting into this, before you start cutting and chopping up history, take five minutes and research what you have. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, just in about that, that axe is worth at least a hundred bucks, right? Yeah, for easily. Yeah. You mod it, it's worth nothing. So yeah. no one but yourself. So yeah. it's not just a money thing. There's plenty of axes like what you just talked about that are junk. Yeah. To mod. Take one of those and mod it. Mm-hmm. Don't mod a piece of beautiful history. <laughs> it's like that can never be replaced. Yeah, I'm, oh, and just think about how many times I've seen this. <clears throat> I've seen people say, I don't want to mod this. It's the only one I have, and, I, you know, I'm just going to mod it. No, buy something. <laughs> hey, let me Go. give you something, and you give me that. Like, right. I just don't get that mentality. Like, there's millions of axes out there, and probably mm-hmm. millions of them, or, or, you know, at least half are junk. Take one mm-hmm. of those. Mod that. I don't understand yeah. the whole thing anyway, but. <clears throat> well, if, I mean, if you're modding a freaking axe, just, um, it doesn't even have to be junk, but just get an unmarked Michigan, get an unmarked Dayton or something, uh, an unmarked Connecticut. I, mean, I, I would put a value on an unmarked Connecticut at between, I don't know, depending on condition, 50 to $100 just for that head because yeah. Connecticut's are freaking awesome and they're really hot right now. So. Don't tear those up. Go out and get a, a freaking five or ten dollar Michigan and cut away. Who cares? There's a bazillion of them out there. Right. Yeah. It just I don't know. It disturbs me. And luckily James bought it, and now it'll be saved. But oh, that's me. So close to. <clears throat> you know what? I I just uh, I just took an order from your boy. Um, we were talking about it yesterday. What's what's his name? Uh, yeah, Levi. And uh, I believe it's a world's finest also. It's a world's finest Connecticut. Let me pull that picture up. Um, he, I had I had three Connecticut's that I, he was looking at, a Flint Edge, world's finest, and a Legitimus. And he picked the Legitimus. No, I mean, excuse me, he picked the world's finest. Um, so... I can't wait to start on that. Um, it'll be a good project uh, after I get freaking all healed up and everything. I told him that I couldn't start on it until Monday. Um, so I'm doing, um, if you guys recall, I did a, uh, it was an unmarked Connecticut that I sent out to Wyoming, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that now. Um, and I did a 28-inch French curve handle. 
Um, so I'm going to do that. Huh? You don't follow, follow me. Uh, uh, Instagram's dead. <laughs> You're an idiot. Um, you, seriously, you don't remember that? No. Dude, it's really hard to capture a full freaking axe on Instagram um, and to get it to show up nicely and to show off the freaking curves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did it uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was unmarked Connecticut. Put my black finish on there. Maybe I saw it. I wasn't really focused on the handle, which I, maybe I should have been. Um, in the pictures because again it's so freaking hard and I take all my pictures outside my backyard and you know there's only a a certain amount of time uh, where the lighting is decent enough to take pictures from like 11 o'clock until six o'clock taking pictures outside of shit from where I am it's just junk they come out either they're way too dark or they're way too washed out or it's just kind of a nightmare taking pictures but I'm excited about this new one that's coming up. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Is mm-hmm. it that one? I had to go find it because I don't follow you. <laughs> <laughs> Have I mentioned that I hate all of you? I hate both of you guys. Oh, I, I, he sent, he called me, actually. Let me try to... He could, yeah, so it is... Um, True Temper, world's finest, no no um, circle around the logo, uh, or the stamp, excuse me. And the cool thing about this one is someone has taken a grinder to it on the surface, so it's just like a whole bunch of swirly marks all over it. But they did not touch the pole, and on the pole it's stamped 3-2. So anytime I find a pole that's stamped, I just think it's cool. Um, 3-2. Hmm? Nothing. What'd you say? I said, see ya, 3-2. <laughs> no, I, dude, there's no way I'm taking that off. That's like that's the money to me. The poles kind of beat up all around it, but right there, smack in the middle, there's a 3-2. Um, it's just cool. I, I love that. I just, I just love that little detail. It's cool. So I'm excited to get to work on this one. I hate to see it go, but... Uh, you know, it's part of the game. I've got I've got others, so I just hang on to them for a little bit. I mean, it's just it's unfortunate, but it's time to pass it on. Speaking of passing on, what what the hell? I sent you messages last night, Miller, specifically asking about some freaking heads that you sent to to me and Killer. You never got back to me. What's up with that? All the ones that I'm going to be selling. Yeah. You want, you want inside dibs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I asked you specifically about two of them. Yeah. And you never got back to me. Yeah, I know. Holding out like a little bitch. <laughs> if you would like to wheel and deal on those, we can uh, definitely make make something happen. But basically what he's talking about is uh, probably every Thursday or every Friday, I'm going to list either out on Instagram or Facebook. I haven't figured out how to do this yet. Somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, two, three, four, maybe six axes, hatchets, miscellaneous stuff. Um, so I'm going to be doing that later on today. 
and just started selling some stuff. I got to sort of thin the herd, so to speak, a little bit. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple of them in there. Uh, there was a Hoffman piece, which I have. I'm going to be selling the majority of the Hoffman stuff here over the next four, five, six weeks. Do that one piece per week. Uh, sell some other stuff that probably I have duplicates of, or for whatever reason I don't, I don't need it or don't want it. So we'll see how that all goes. Uh, we got the first official sale, quote unquote, that will get shipped out today. That was the Black Raven single bit axe that I had talked about last week. So we'll see how this all goes. Sort of uh, venture out into the selling world a little bit more than normal. So I hadn't really sold anything. I was looking. I think the last time I sold anything hardcore was six years ago, back in 2013. So get back into the game here a little bit, see how this all goes. Now you're stepping into my toes, yo. Well. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just selling heads, um, which is kind of exciting for me because to get a peek inside of Mike Miller's personal collection, it's kind of a kind of a unique, rare opportunity. What I think is cool about your collection, Miller, and I think we briefly talked about this on episode one, is that you don't just collect new old stock stuff. I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at your, your post, or not your post, your, your text that you sent us. Um, you collect everything. Um, you've got normal stuff in here. You've got, I don't want to say this is junk, but I've seen some of your stuff, and some of your things are junk also, which is encouraging. Thanks. I'm saying it's encouraging for people to know that um, Mike Miller's not just a new old stock collector. He loves all things axes. So he's got normal, everyday things. And the thing that I'm looking at pretty hard right here is this uh, True Temper Tommy Axe with the claws still on there. And he's got a plum cruiser. He's also got, I don't have this, and I've always wanted this, um, the Craftsman Jubilee. I just think that, I think that stamp is beautiful. Yeah, I actually have a couple of them, so I'll be letting those go and, and keep the one. I think the, the other one I have is actually up on the mantle that has the original oh, really? handle. Yeah, it has the original handle with some paint on it and stuff like that. But, uh, have a few of those. If you, if you watch, you can actually find those Jubilees at flea markets. I found a couple of them at flea markets. It's been a few years, uh, but guys have gotten on to that mark there and know that that's worth a little bit more than than your right. standard craftsman stamp. But, um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of stuff like that. It's not like, you know, every single piece that I have is new old stock. I mean, if that was the case, then that'd be a totally different game changer. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, the regular uh, stampings, etchings, things mm-hmm. like that, because, uh, as I've said, I love them all. Yeah, for sure. But found a little interesting piece here as we're looking around, you know, looking at the Godfather Tom Lamont's stuff here. So he has that this Plum All American line. It says labels used after the company was sold. So that would mean that these that this Plum All American came out after 1970. But here it is in the 1954 catalog. So. That just goes to show you that not everything that we have, not everything that we know or think that we know mm-hmm. is 100% set in stone. It's always going to be updating. And I don't know how he could, I don't want to say miss that, but I guess for lack of a better term, that's what he did. 
so something is amiss here. Either his info is wrong or this catalog is wrong, which is a possibility. Zoink, Shaggy. Something's yeah. wrong. We got to figure it out and uh, see what's going on here. But I'll have to dig into that a little bit more, see what's going on. So whenever uh, whenever they sold, like, that company, was it called Cooper? Is that who bought them? Something like that? Uh, who was it? Like 1971, Ames. Ames. Yeah. Who? What am I thinking of? I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, 1971 Plum Company was acquired by Ames Company. And then there's a whole, once you get into the mid-70s and the 80s, very similar to True Temper. It's just a big cluster of this company buys this, this company buys this. You know, names change, blah, blah, blah. There's the Cooper Group, which actually just bought the Plum Division they didn't actually buy the whole company. They basically just bought the name. That's why you see that plum with the Cooper. So anytime you see that, you know, that's after 1981, 82. So, What's after 81, 82? I was getting my catalog. Sorry. That's when plum, the plum division from Ames. So like basically the plum name was sold to the Cooper group. Ah, okay. Cooper manufacturing. You've, I'm sure that you've seen those. They'll say plum and they'll say buy Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, so that's what I was talking about. I, I, I thought the timeline on that was earlier. So yeah. thank you for clearing that up. No, that's like 81 is when they did it. So who knows when they would have got that on there, maybe 82. So, which makes sense when you look at those. A lot of them you'll find on the reverse side or on the handle will have like the UPC codes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sort of date that, you know, based off of that or that gives you a good, uh, a good idea. But, it's just, it's tremendously confusing. We'll never get it all straight to this point here. You know, we got to figure this out now with the All-American thing. So I'll dive into that and see what I can get going. What is that noise? I <laughs> talk drinking water. God. <laughs> Tell Tiff to get that thing under control. Slavosaurus over there. Jeez Louise. Tiff says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw her in the background. The All-American. I'm looking at it right now in the catalog. Got her. That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Stop drinking. Killer, tell me a little bit about this fancy smancy all, or not All-American, but American beauty that I see that has made its way to Ohio. Oh, yeah. You got that little half hatchet. You mean this little guy? Yeah. Tiff's over there. It's mine. And for those that can't see, Killer is holding (laughs) up his brand new half hatchet with the circle American Beauty imprint with the rose in the middle. So the the stamp on this one is um, really good. Much much nicer than my uh, double bit. It's a shame that this is a half hatchet because I'm not. I don't care about half hatchets. Cut cut it up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna mod this one. I'm gonna cut yeah. the cut the hammer off and give it a big hawk bill here, and we'll call it a chicken hawk. Uh, but it's it's a cool piece because it's an American Beauty, and you know, since I had the double bed, I figured I might as well buy the the half hatchet. So where where'd you get it? Uh, off the sale Saturday post on Axe Hounds. Really. So if you're uh, 
If you're not on Axhound's Facebook group, you need to be. And then every Saturday we do a sale Saturday post and people, people post up their goods for sale. And, uh, the American Beauty came up and somebody tagged me in it. Really? Was, so. You think it was who? James Nish. I think he tagged me. Um, I can't remember the guy I bought it from. Nice guy. I, I think, I think I've dealt with him before. I think I sold him something once and. No, I re- you know bought something from him, but um, that's a pretty cool piece. I I will uh, have an idea for a display for the American Beauties, but I mean, who knows? I might end up with another one sometime. I I haven't seen I've seen the half hatchets and I've seen the double bits, but I I haven't seen any other patterns really. Miller, you get, was there a single bit? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might know a guy. Yeah. It would be, it's, it's kind of cool. It'd be a cool little, uh, it's kind of a cool little thing to collect. It's kind of, it's off the radar, but they're, they're still pricey. I mean, yeah. They're, uh, they're not black or even pricey, but they're still pricey. Well, but anything with an etch on it is going to be more expensive than a stamp. So, um, what were you saying, Miller? I think now, if I remember right, there's there's actually two stamps or two markings, whatever you want to call it, with that, right? There's two different kinds, like two different versions, I guess. Does that sound right? There's the there's the intricate one, which he has, the big circle, the rose in the middle. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And they do make it in a single bit, though. I don't know if I've ever actually physically had my eyes on one. But isn't there – there's two different – I'm pretty sure I have the other one. I can't find it now online, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, yesteryear tools had a nice uh, write-up on American Beauty, <clears throat> so it was a that was a hardware store brand. Um, and I believe Man made it. I'm not. I actually, I'm not 100 sure. It's. I think it says on yesteryear tools, Tom Lamont stuff. So, which we just proved was wrong. <laughs> No. No. Um, I'll look into that for you. I'm pretty sure that there's another, there's a real simple one. I think it just says American beauty on it. So we'll have to dig into that and see if I can't get a little bit more of a timeline on there and see what that is all about. If that is, uh, it where it's just a stamp, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I think it just I, says I, American beauty just in letters. I think you're right. I think I recall seeing that somewhere. Make that up. I yeah, probably there you did. go. Probably there you did. Go, American Beauty. There it is. That's on. That's on yesteryear tools. Tiff in the had it bookmarked on. On the uh, is is it on the uh, the man page? Yeah. No, it's it's got its own. It's got its own tab. Yeah. I Interesting. Believe. It's under American Hardware and Supply. Yeah. Oh, American yeah, there it is. American Hardware and Supply. American Beauty. American, yeah, right there with the double oval. I see it. I have one of those somewhere. I have no idea where it is, but. So, and, Killer, now we gotta, we gotta get out there. We gotta find you the single bit then to get the Holy Trinity for you. Right. Yeah, we gotta get. So if you're listening and you got a single bit, you know what? Actually, that guy that came to my uh, my last axe meet had that. 
He did, yeah. He's from West Virginia. Uh, I started following those guys. You need to, you need to reach out to him. I already hit him up. He he doesn't want to sell it. Well, maybe maybe he will now since you made him famous. Yeah. I can remember his name. I got his, I got his message. But yeah, he he had that. Wasn't it? It was a Michigan pattern, wasn't it? I don't know the pattern, but I remember the the head. I remember him bringing it and showing it to me. It's like a Dayton. Yeah, yeah there, there it is. Tiff, Tiff is my assistant today. Golly, but the one that was nicer than that. Much nicer. You could read the stamp really well. She's shaking her ass. Shout again decided to sell it to me, but I, I already hit him up for it. He wasn't interested, which I can understand. Yeah, but now you've got some leverage. I've got two pieces, and I'm trying to complete the set. Does that matter to him? <laughs> Maybe. Well, it just means the value goes up. That means you're going to pay more. That's what that means. Exactly. We're so talking we actually, about We shouldn't even be talking about it right now. It's what, yeah. We're sort of dumb, but that's all right. Now I won't, I won't be able to get it. Yeah, it, it happened in the New Orleans. I collected all the New Orleans, and then now everybody is trying to duplicate that, and uh, you can't even buy New Orleans. I, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't pause the price of those people up. But. I just bought a New Orleans uh, whenever I was up at Willie's place after uh, what, last Friday. I bought a freaking Norland. A freaking Norland. Did you, so, uh, did you get Willie all taken care of? Uh, I did. Uh, he loved his bluegrass. Go fuck yourself. I thought you did. Um, no, uh, Willie's got a great collection. Um, he's got a lot of uh, bluegrass stuff, obviously. That's kind of his deal. Um, he's got a lot of displays. Um, he had a lot of bluegrass displays. So it was just, you know, you know how it is walking into someone else's shop and collection, everything is just a lot to take in. He's got, I don't know, close to 200 axes or something like that. Buckets of heads, projects that he's working on. So it's just fun to poke around and see what other people have. He's got some new old stock, um, Belknap jerseys he had three of them i think he said he sold one paper label on there so after i don't later on toward the end of bluegrass they they dropped the bluegrass part of their name and they just became belknap hardware and he's got two jerseys with paper labels on there so probably in the 70s or 80s time frame but still really cool you got the belknap handle on them he's got a couple of beveled jerseys uh, bluegrass bubble jerseys, which but that was my user axe for years. Um, and then I think it was last year, no, maybe two years ago, um, someone hit see, me up. What? Did you see John John was selling one of those? I sent you a picture of it on Facebook. I don't get on Facebook. Facebook's okay. dead. <laughs> he would, Kevin was selling uh, a bluegrass jersey, bevel jersey. No, no, you, you, no, 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 I, I remember that. It was like a little hatchet, uh, jersey. Yeah. No, but I was looking at, uh, I, I was looking at Willie's 
beveled bluegrass jerseys because, like I was saying, I had one and I used it for years. And uh, I guess two years ago, times were tight and someone said, hey, do you have a bluegrass bevel jersey? And I said, uh, the only one that I've got is the one that I use every day. Not every day, you know what I mean, my, my normal user. And he freaking... He gave he gave me an offer that I couldn't pass up. So now I don't have one. Another one of my regrets. It's not a super rare, super uncommon head or anything, super valuable. But uh, I'm a sucker for bevels. I love bluegrass. So and I love Jersey. So you add it all up. It's a really cool axe. And I don't have any right now. I'd love to have another one. And I probably would not sell it. I bet Miller's got freaking six of them. What are we looking for? <laughs> you son of a bitch. What's the matter? Are you not even <laughs> listening to me? Uh, you're rambling on about something with bevels and how much you love it and this, that, the other, and it means everything in the world to you. And What are we talking about? Bluegrass? Bluegrass bubble jersey. Uh, they made those? I'm going to rip your face off. <laughs> <laughs> I, what do you want me to say? I have one? I don't want you to say anything. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just visualizing Roy standing on a tool, on a stool so he can rip Miller's face off. Yeah. He has a <laughs> giant big <laughs> fucking... <laughs> have I told you guys how much I adore both of you? <laughs> you sons of bitches. No, but it was nice. Again, it was nice just going up and seeing his collection. It was cool. Um, I got that piece out, and he was really happy with it. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of what uh, this Levi guy was saying to me on Tuesday. He's like, I want one of your axes. I want to be able to use it. And Willie said the same thing. And then I put it in Willie's hands, and he was like, I don't think I'm going to use this thing. And Levi was saying, <clears throat> well... I think if I get this, I'm not ever going to use it. Well, you know what? That's your all's decision. Everything that I send out is a user. Uh, whether you choose to use it or not, that's entirely up to you. Um, so, yeah. So, Miller. What? What, did, uh, what have you been up to this week? Any new acquisitions or um, projects we should know about? So I have, I think you guys have seen it, and I'll put a picture out there. So I have a Kelly World's Finest Cruiser that is actually stamped 1933. And I've had that now for quite some time, and I haven't gone around to cleaning it up. So it is on the, you are going to clean that up and get that out there today, because that piece to me is really, really interesting. It's a cruiser. It's the Kelly World's Finest, uh, the quality. And then it also has that stamping on there, 1933. And the handle is the original handle from what I can tell for right now. But I'll dig into that. The the uh, axe head itself is all covered in grime and dirt. Get that all cleaned up. We'll get that handle all oiled up, make sure that it's fitted. And so I'm really excited to work on that one today and get that done. Um, otherwise, I don't think I had anything come in this week. Uh, What's no. the timeline on that world's finest? Because they, they use that forever, and some of the stuff is like, 
I don't know, in my mind, up until the 60s. They did, but they, the, just like with everything else, the logo and the imprint changed. Uh, that is one of their older imprints or logos that I can remember. And, again, I don't know the, the specific date range. Let me look in the one catalog here and see if I can't find one. Kelly being such a nightmare with everything. Right, right, and right, the right. dates. What, uh, what catalog is this here? This is, uh, I ever show you this? This actually came in the catalog and for you guys at home that can't see. So you open up the 1921 catalog and there is actually a three page excerpt that comes out and it has the picture of the actual plant. Good this grief. Is, this is in the catalog. So this is, uh, going, going to get framed and this will go up on the wall, but that's from 1921. So we're pushing a hundred years old. On that boy, and it shows the plant, and, you know, this just makes me cry because I wish I could have seen this thing back in the heyday. It is absolutely stupendous, and that must have been one hell of an operation um, going down at that time. So it's uh, that's crazy. But they have uh, – let's see if I can't find – what are we looking for? World's finest Kelly quality then. <clears throat> So it's interesting. Um, the guys that you're that uh, they had the American Beauty Killer. Yep. Th- those those boys are from West Virginia, and you know what acts they said that they could not find What's anything that? Kelly. They could not find Kelly's down there. Everything was just shipped out. You would think the guy, that. Go the ahead. guy that had the American Beauty was from PA. He came alone. Right. Right. Yeah. But I don't I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking of those other two boys that were together. I know you're talking. But they said they couldn't find Kelly's anywhere, um, which just seems a little odd to me. Because, yeah. yeah, being in West Virginia down there where they were just cranking them. Charleston. You ever been there? No. I've been in West Virginia. They got a big gold dome on their. Uh, uh, Capitol building there. You can see it for freaking miles away. Pretty. It's very pretty. It's right there on the river, as Miller's map just suggested, indicated. Pretty cool little town. I've never spent any time there, but I've always, I've driven through it a bazillion times with my wife. Did he say wives? No, he said no. <laughs> Tiff, you're on thin ice. <laughs> She's taller than you. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know if Tiff is taller than anyone. I don't know if Tiff is taller than anyone. So let's just let's cancel that noise right now. She might wear a bigger size shirt than you. I don't know what size shirt that I have to send you. It was like the eighth grade special or something. Like it, it was boys yeah. extra small or something. Boys extra small. <laughs> yeah. So, quick update, 1921 catalog. I do not see the world's finest in here. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But what is interesting is in the beginning here, so this is 1921. So if you remember, this is right after Kelly bought American Axe Tool Company, right? So this is when everything was going down. Right. And they, you know, we had talked about on one of the previous podcasts about who was making what at what level. So right. this is what it this is what it says. It says we present this catalog to the hardware trade. 
The illustrations in which represent a line of tools this company and its predecessors have been manufacturing for over 100 years. This company has now consolidated all of its 18 factories in one large works here in Charleston, West Virginia. We have a location of more than 100 acres, a daily capacity of over 40,000 finished tools, making our plant larger in capacity than all other factories of its kind in the aggregate in the United States. We also operate a large handle mill in the south where we can obtain the best hickory. We consider the handle as important as the tool itself. The grades of our handles are high and uniform. The shapes are correct and the handles are thoroughly dried and driven correctly in the tools. I mean, they just don't write stuff like that anymore. They don't advertise like that anymore. No, that's pretty awesome. That's beyond awesome, actually. Our axes, hatchets, and hammers and other tools are well known the world over. and We believe justly bear the reputation in all markets of being the best that are made and are in demand wherever such tools are used. And this is 1921. This is 1921. Now, here's what's interesting. So on the catalog itself, which this is, I don't know if you guys will be able to see it, but I'm going to hold this up. So there's no axe in here that I can see with the Kelly quality or the world's finest mark. Mm-hmm. Look what's at the very top of the catalog. Yeah, it's got the, the Kelly quality with the... Right. I mean, it's, that's the logo. Yeah, so it was there in 1921. Again, I don't see an axe in here, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I just can't find it as I'm perusing through here. The other interesting thing, too, is that not a lot of guys notice or know this. So as you go through in these catalogs, they basically list the lines. Like this is the top line. This is a medium of the medium run line. This is a second quality line, et cetera, right. et cetera. A lot of people think Black Raven. That's it. Right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, the that's the top of the line. Top of the line. Or the Kelly Perfect, right? Kelly Perfect. That's it. There is nothing better. And if you actually look in these old Kelly catalogs, the top of the line. Is the registered? Is the registered line. And not a lot of guys realize that. So yeah. that makes sense because it's only only axes that they number or put serial numbers on, right? Um, as far as I know, with that kind of, uh, you know, some of them had the date in the little half oval or half circle. Yeah. Some of them did not. Uh, most of them, you know, were numbered. And I remember one of the things that I, I dove in on, actually back when Tom was alive, was trying to figure out when those things were numbered and if it corresponded to dates and if that was out there anywhere. And him and I talked about that, and he told me that, as far as he knew, that there was nothing out there that showed that, you know, if you had a Kelly registered and it was number 20,000, that that was made on this particular date. Or right. if you had one that was dated, or excuse me, it was numbered 78,000, that it right. took, that it was There's on this. No- yeah, so no, no correlation between date and number. And it's funny because I have seen people throughout the years on eBay or whatever, they say, oh, I've got a Kelly registered. It's a really low number, so it's really old, which is right. horseshit. Total horseshit. Because they use that registered axe for a long time. And if you look at, if you look at Lamont's catalogs, there are different ways that they put that number in there and i think toward the end it was just a whole bunch of little dots um so that's 
somewhat of a timeline. Uh, it, it, either it's newer or it's older. If you've clearly got something stamped with the date inside that little uh, sun, you can, you know, date it that way. But if not, it's just a total freaking crapshoot. So if anyone says or claims that they know when that freaking axe is made, they're a goddamn idiot. And I don't know if we need to be so harsh on the guys, but... <laughs> well, I'm... I'm <laughs> my point is, is people try to be experts on something and they can't humble themselves and go, you know what, I don't know. There's not enough information. And they make these crazy assumptions and they start leading people down the wrong path. So um, that's why I, that's that's why I have such a strong opinion on it. And it's okay to say I don't know. I don't know. I know that the it seems to be, and I don't know if there's an absolute correlation with this, but the date of 1915 seems to be one of the more popular dates that I've seen on the registers. So I don't know if they were there was like a mass crank out for that particular. Date. I don't know if that was something where they made a really good effort to date those particular axes and they didn't really care or they didn't make the effort maybe on the other years. But that seems to be one date that I've seen on more registers than not. They seem to be dated earlier. And then, like, as time went on, maybe they just said, well, screw it. We're not going to mess around putting the date on there. But it, it's hard to say. You're never going to be able to see this because it's really, really jacked. Super, like, look how rusty and nasty a piece of rust just fell off of it. This is one that I actually did pick up, pick up off of eBay. It's got a little, I don't know how there is gold. You probably can't even see that. Um, there's a little bit of gold in this, and it's actually stamped 1913 inside oh, okay. the, inside the sun. And it's got a box around the 1913. There's there's no way that I can make out any sort of number on it or anything. Um, and I'll probably never, ever touch this axe. I mean, it looks like it's been buried and abused to shit. But there's enough in there just to see the 1913. And that's cool enough for me. That's all that it takes. So Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little bit of talk about the Kelly Registered line then. Again, one of, a lot of guys love that registered and right, rightfully so, but I think it sort of gets forgotten about in the talk about Kelly. Everybody immediately gets the huge heart on for the Black Raven and they gravitate <laughs> right towards that. And that registered line, technically, if you look at the catalogs, was, uh, you know, up there with the perfect as their premium line. And it actually costs more. And one of the, um, sheets that I have, the uh what do we want to call that the um the price listing it cost more than the black raven back in the day to buy so i correct me if i'm wrong on this either one of you guys do you think that that was just a total marketing ploy in terms of cost like in terms of quality is there a true difference in the steel the manufacturing process between a registered a black raven or the kelly perfect they were all used. They, it, I would think, from a manufacturing process, that they would use the same material. They use the same, uh, the same forging uh, dye. Um, they just use all the same forming processes. Why? And, and well, I would think. Go ahead. It's possible they changed the material. Like I know, Council Tool, 
uses two different materials for their axes depending on what, what they're making. So if they're just making their general line, I don't know what the steel is that they're using, but it's a lower grade high carbon steel. But for the velvet cut line, you know, whatever their new stuff they got come, got out, that's all 5160, I believe. You know, it's a higher grade of steel. So it's, it's possible those companies back then did the same thing. Um, but I don't know, I don't know enough about steel to know what was available back then. So, well, I've never seen anything advertised, and Mike Miller is going to have more info than probably anyone just because of all the catalogs that he has. I, I, I personally have never seen anything spelled out. The Kelly Perfect has this steel in it, and the, the Black Raven has this in it. So, I don't think that was important as it is now. Like, people are just steel nerds. Yeah. Dude, whenever I was down at Blade Show, people. Oh, yeah. They they would ask me what 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 are your axes what steels your axes made of I was right. like uh, uh, American steel <laughs> <laughs> these are all old axes how did you get your how did you put different stamps on all these axes um, I didn't make them <laughs> I was just blown away at the, the level of education or lack of education of axes that knife guys have well I mean you know whatever I don't know anything about knives but it was just interesting but. You're you're right, Chris. People are freaking steel nerds today, and there's a whole freaking there's a whole segment of knife guys that are just so driven by all of the freaking different steels and yada yada yada, and and I just don't care about it. So, so Miller, if you look in here just to try and uh, come back on what you're saying, so if we look in this Kelly 1930 catalog. And it, if you read in here, they don't really have different lines, so to speak. But it says in here, so if we're looking at uh, what line is this? This is the, the Kelly Perfect line, 1930. Okay. Leads the world in sales and popularity. Full polished blue bevels. Forged with high-grade steel. And then right below that it says forged with fine tool steel bit welded upon a mild steel body. So that's when they were still um, you know, inlaying the bit. And you mm -hmm. had the two different metals in there, which after you get past 1930, everything usually just went to the one one metal then. Yeah. If you look in, uh, if we're talking about second line, if we look at this uh, Warren 1937 catalog, now this says regular factory brands, and they have the Hiawatha, the Matchless, the Uncle Sam's, and the Lake City. It says a small percentage of our axes have slight defects, and for this reason will not go into our regular first quality line brand. We will furnish these under these brands and finishes at a slightly lower price than the regular first quality brands. These axes can be furnished handled or unhandled as specified, and all orders for this grade are taken subject to stock. We will take orders for double bits in this grade with black finish and Hiawatha labels only subject to stock. So basically then that's saying that our secondary line have slight defects. Now what that defect actually is, mm -hmm. It doesn't say, and I don't know if we'll ever really know. So is that, you know, it's not made with that same level of metal? And to your guys' point, you know, I don't know enough about that. I don't know if they had the different lines then, if you're talking about like 5160 and that whole thing. But you will see in, in a lot of these catalogs, they have their first line and then they have the second line. And 
it was probably to some degree a different metal. We'll have to reach out to somebody else that knows more about metal than um, maybe it had, you know, they didn't use the highest grade quality steel in the bit. You know, it had the softer body, but then didn't use the high grade steel. Might have been something like that, but there was definite different lines out there with different price points and different reputations. What that degree actually is and what that means, we got to figure that out. So we're going to have to get a steel guy in here or a metal guy. <laughs> what we're going to have to do. So that's another can of worms that just got opened right now. Steelers. We're, we're, we're supposed to be closing these can of worms, not opening them up. You're an idiot, Chris. <laughs> Steel is dead. It is. <laughs> so let, let's go back to these three lines from Kelly. Does it say in that catalog or any other freaking line line catalog you say that specifies what the difference is in quality? Or is it just total price? Let me see what's on the price sheet if it actually says. Because I think, I don't know. What is that noise? Killer. Miller sent me a text. <laughs> so if you read in the, this is the quotation, quotation okay. book. Okay. What's that dated? 1933, right? I can't see it. Yes, April 22nd, 1933. And there's what's interesting is that there's actually two of them. So there's this one, which appears to be the run in the mill. Like this okay. is what your, your Joe, average Joe is going to use. And then there's this one, which is the wholesale. Okay. So there are different price points listed in here for the same, the same thing. So let's see what it says in here. Special right. terms, settlements, quotation, camp hunters. No, that's a reference to this here. So if we look in here, and I don't know if I, I'll try and put some pictures of this out on Instagram, but that has all the different Lines listed right mm -hmm. down on the left-hand side there. See that Vulcan and all that other yep, stuff? Yep, yep, yep. So, so let's just look at unhandled. So this is price per dozen, base weight, single bit, double bit. If you go with the Flint Edge, plain shape, cannon finish. So to me, that's run of the mill. $8 for single bits. That is the same price as the not chopper. The highest one is the registered. Registered, fire, blue, deep engraved, each in a carton. So the way that I understand that is that that would be like the Lincoln Axe that's coming in its own box. Right. So wow. that's nine dollars and eighty cents, single bit per dozen. So you got a dollar eighty difference. You go all the way to here to the base, or excuse me, to the bottom of the barrel, and then it's actually listed second quality, painted okay. or bronzed, brands other than listed seven and a quarter. So you got a difference of 980 to seven and, and a quarter for their different lines. Now, what exactly that means? That's hard to say. Black Raven, 920. So the registered was actually 60 cents more. I don't know. We would have to extrapolate that out. So but, here's my interpretation of all that. They're all the same and they are they're dictating where the quality and the price point is. And they're saying that 
the registered is better because it's more expensive, which in my mind, there's no correlation. They're all the same. One's just more expensive than the other. This is also interesting. So they have a menu in here. It's almost like you're at McDonald's. So it says extras applying on axis, single bit, double bit. So rustless black, deep etched, $1.20. Rustless black labeled, stamped, and filled, an extra 60 cents. Full polish labeled, surface etched, 60 cents. Phantom bevel <gasps> labeled, surface etched, polished, or blued bevels and pole. That's an extra $1.20 for a single bit. If you want a deep etching, 60 cents. So that could raise a possible can of worms. Are you telling me that there's different depths of etching available? Oh, my. (laughs) How about this? Individual cartons, 60 cents. Men's handled axes in closed cases, 60 cents. Dock pattern, steel pole, that's an extra $1.80. Rafting or mauling pattern, steel pole. $1.80. $1.80. So you actually had the option in 1933 to get the steel pole on one of those big rafters, and that's going to cost you an extra $1.80. Wow. It says etching plates and steel stamps at cost. So I can only imagine the cluster that that would have been for those orders coming in. And I'm sure, you know, they probably went to the offices at first. You had secretaries trying to handle that order, interpret the order, it then went to somebody yeah. else who made sure it was correct and then it went to the forge and get that done but so th- this is a mess trying to figure this all out man so here's my takeaway on the on the one that you listed out like four options the the phantom bevels the polish the painted blue that was like a uh, dollar 60 or something is that what you said here's what it says phantom bevel labeled or surface etched polished or blue bevels and pole. That's a dollar twenty for a single bit per dozen. Okay. And then what was the deep etch? It just says deep etching, sixty cents per okay, dozen. Okay, so stop right there. So half the cost, right? Sixty mm-hmm. cents versus a dollar twenty. But what that equates to today is not what um, I shouldn't say not equates to. It doesn't correlate to today's value, right? So if you right. have a deep etch I'm thinking Black Raven because it's just the the most um, recognizable deep etch axe. That axe is way more valuable than one of the axes that required more um, factory machine work out, out of the factory, right? So mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna put phantom bevels in there, you're gonna polish it and paint it and do a surface etch, which sounds like a stamp to me. Um, that axe costs more because there's more machine work than a deep etch. But fast forward 100 years, the deep etch is way more valuable than that other axe. Correct. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. So fascinating that Killinger has fallen asleep over there. Right. Come on, Killer, we need you. You have anything to add? It's just mind-blowing that they had an option for the depth of the etch. If I'm reading that right, I mean, I don't know what else that that would be. But Now, also in this catalog, there's a letter here from a a Mr. Shepard, who is the manager of sales at the American Fork and Hoe Company, Kelly Tool and Works. 
That Shepherd guy, you got to keep an eye on him. So, this sure. is, it's actually like a generic letter. It says, to the hardware jobbing trade. So, I don't know if this is just a generic letter that went out to everybody. 1933. It says, Dear Gentlemen, we are enclosing the quotation number 120 and discount sheet number 120 applying to the same. As you will note, we have made radical reductions to meet the insisted demand of our customers in the consumer's pocketbook. During the past season, the demand has been for cheap axes without regard to quality, with the result that the jobbers and the manufacturers' first quality brands have not sold as usual. So we got a little disruption in the market, it looks like. It goes on to say, there is more profit and satisfaction for the jobber and the retailer in selling the first quality axes, and the consumer obtains better value when he purchases a higher-grade tool. Based on the former spread, the consumer could not or would not pay the difference in price between the low and the high-grade axes. We have brought these prices closer together so that the consumer can now purchase a strictly first-quality tool for only a slight advance over the cost of an inferior article. So to me, they're, they're almost shitting on their own second line there. goes on to say, we wish to emphasize that while our axe prices are guaranteed against our market decline to December 31st, 1933 on stock on hand, on orders placed on and after April 22nd, we do not guarantee advance in our present prices and terms are subject to change without notice. Retailer stocks are lower than ever before and today's prices will simulate, stimulate buying. It is our suggestion that you send us your specifications now. Yours truly, Mr. Shepard. So that, to me, I remember reading this before, is a very interesting read. So you take a look at a couple of things. They're saying that sales are down, especially with the top line. Do you know why they're down? It's the 1930s. It's the Great Depression. No one was buying shit. 1933, right? So you can already start to see the death of the axe right there. Right. Right. Yeah. For the for the most part, we're selling cheap axes because nobody has any money. We're post depression. We're trying to get up out of this funk that the country was in. Um, if I only have so much money, am I going to buy a Black Raven? Am I going to buy a registered? Or am I going to buy one of these handy dandy you know, whatever choppers? So they're basically telling everybody, listen, we got to decrease that profit margin. We got to bring the higher prices down in order to start selling. And to me, I remember reading this and I was like, this is a start. This is the start of the death of the axe right there, if it didn't even happen before. But basically, they're realizing that, hey, we got all these axes, fancy etchings, uh, whatever you want to call it, paper labels, blah, blah, blah. We can't sell them because no one wants to buy them. They want to buy the cheaper axe. You know, it all comes together. You look at how the industry was changing, um, you know, advance of the chainsaw, other ways to be able to do work, uh, more more people living in the cities, stuff like that. So, like, to me, that there, that's just a tremendously interesting read that shows that that's where it all starts, downhill well, spiral. I don't think the depression can be overstated here. Um, I think from 29 to 39, like, no one had any money. So are they going to buy a beautiful axe, or are they going to buy something that's utilitarian that can make freaking any amount of money? Um, it, it's... The utility of it was far more important than anything else at that time. So you just add all these things up together and the axe starts to go away. No doubt. I mean, it's fascinating just to think about and, you know, from a uh, manufacturing 
uh, you know, what they were doing. I just wonder, obviously, if they could see that. And that's where you started to see some of the changes with what they were doing and how they did it, maybe advertising. And what always interested me is that could they not see the writing on the wall? Like you look at business today and what they always talk about with business is that you always got to be looking forward. You got to see where the changes are. What's the market doing? What are the trends? Like did did these guys, were they on that high horse where they're just like, oh, the ax is going to live forever and they didn't see the changes coming? Like I would have probably shit my pants once the chainsaw came out and been like, oh man, we're, we need to switch gears, right? I need to quit making axes and I need to get into other forestry related things. And right. All things told, that's probably why council made it. And these other guys didn't, right? They weren't even making axes. They're making all this other stuff based more for the forestry industry, which made more sense. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly, you know, or actually the better line is you look at Collins. Collins was so hardcore into machetes in the South American market post-World War II, that all dries up. They had very limited market in the United States because they put all their eggs into the South American basket. That dries up. They get hit by that huge flood in 1955, which wipes out like a third of their actual manufacturing ability. Ten years later, they're sold. They're out. They're done. They never adapted. They never switched gears and said, listen, I got to make something else. Like, did they not see that coming? That's what always amazes me. Like, these guys that are running those companies, did they not have the ability to see what was coming down the line. Like it just really amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a good topic for another discussion on specifically on us three on how we are changing and adapting to things that are going on. I know that my business is changing. I know Chris, yours is changing and uh, it looks like Miller's, dipping his toes in the freaking water and selling some stuff. So I think for me anyway, I see changes coming. Uh, so that's why I'm doing some of the things that I'm doing. So it'll be interesting to see where, where axes go from here uh, and kind of what guys in the industry, industry community, whatever you want to freaking call it, how we're going to adapt to Either the demand or the interest, or the hobby, or however you want to frame it. Um, how long are, how long is this axe wave going to last? And the guys, to your point, the guys that change and adapt are going to be successful, and the guys that don't, like Kelly and Collins and all those guys that didn't see the writing on the wall, well, it'll just be another axe company that got left to the wayside. Done. Wrap that bitch up. Everybody have a good day. See you on episode six. Later, suckers. See you.